it's Adriana Steele back again. As promised, we have part two of a wonderful conversation I had with Michael Rhodes to Gregory Thornton and Rebecca Rhodes. Uh, That first part, if you haven't listened to it, feel free to go back one episode. We talked about epiphany, what it is, why we celebrate it, and what that story in the Bible says to our hearts and how it can empower us today. Um, We took it a little bit further in part two, which you're getting ready to hear And we talked about the Capitol riots that happened on Epiphany last year, January 6, 2021. We wrestled with how to process the information um, through the lens of the gospel. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And as always, feel free to email us at media at downtownchurch.com. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Here's part two. Enjoy. I'm going to take one, baby. But for me, I mean, I think what's interesting is to think about um, if the wise men are a parable of, of, of what all Christians encounter when they come to Jesus, that we now have to learn how to live pledging our allegiance to him uh, in the communities from which we've come, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we have to go back and live in the communities from which we've come with our allegiance to Jesus, then it raises the question of like, is it really permissible in American Christianity to pledge your allegiance to Jesus and then be involved with Mm -hmm. carrying Christian flags and Confederate flags, right? Carrying... Uh, singing Christian songs, praying a prayer that, you know, this is saying that, you know, this is our country, not their country in the Capitol building. Like where, yeah. where does allegiance to Jesus allow us to disagree about what we think about politics and how we respond? And where does our allegiance to Jesus just say no to yeah. certain political options and political practices, right? Yeah. It's a difference. It's a difference from we're both Christians, but we both view this situation differently or this political conversation differently or who to vote for differently. But I think I think we need to draw a hard line and distinction between um, what people claim or people what what people claim is Christianity and what Christianity is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, even going back to the Epiphany in Matthew chapter two, you know, it's a it's a it's a conversation because these three wise men come up and say, "We the child has been born. We have come to meet the King of the Jews." Mm-hmm. And Herod is like, "I'm the King of the Jews." Right. Right. <laughs> you know, um, the Jewish people are the ones who, who, who scripture tells us salvation is for the Jews, then the Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. So we know scripture, um, it's the Jewish people who, who who have been given these prophecies, these fulfillments, who, who are waiting for um, um, the coming kingdom. They are to be the light for the world, but it is these same people who Herod is like, I'm the king of the Jews, as you said in your sermon, they didn't follow the wise men to go meet the promise, you know what I'm saying, child. Um, 33 years later, they they are, are the ones who, who hung Jesus up on the cross. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And even Paul tells us now that it's not by my ethnicity that I'm saved, but I'm saved through my faith in this Jesus right here. You know mm. what I'm saying? And so I think, like, 
now even looking at the epiphany um, story, we can distinguish between those people who are um, saved by faith um, and those people who are claiming a salvation based upon um, their their ethnicity or based upon their 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 earthly deeds or or whatever. And so when when I look at the capital, um, I see something that's that's past. Oh, we are all Christians, but we just view a situation differently. I really see that as a we are living two different faiths. Mm. Um, you have a different God than me, um, even though you. Even though I can sing how great is that God, and I'm in my mind, in my heart, I'm singing to the true God. When when that song was being played in D.C., um, you can't tell me they were singing to the one true God. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were they singing to? Mm-hmm. Um, there, as as well as crosses, you know, there are images of nooses and mm-hmm. and the Confederate flag. So what? So what are you praising? What are you singing to? Yeah. And I believe that we need to draw a hard line in the sand and distinguish ourselves from, um, and I mean, and just even say that that's not Christianity. Right. And so that's, that's what I say. Mm. Yeah, and again, that image of like what has to be left behind mm. to come to Jesus, right? Now, you know, there is a wideness in God's mercy, so I'm not pronouncing on people's salvation or whatever. But I, I think there's no doubt that, uh, you know, Herod doesn't go to Jesus because he's willing, unwilling to let go of political power. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what you're seeing in the Capitol is white Christians unwilling to let go of political and economic and cultural power, mm-hmm. unwilling to um, leave behind uh that kind of commitment, right, to a certain kind of political and economic authority and control and power and willing to kill uh, or at least do violence mm-hmm. to yeah. preserve that power, yeah. right? And people so, died. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so, you know, I think <laughs> you're in sort of a Herod-esque position, right, when God is calling us to come to himself and, and you're unwilling to do that because of your commitment to securing your own power and control through violence and whatever else, yeah. you know? And I think you're, I think it is interesting your point about, like, we need to get beyond, like, you know, we can have disagreements, you know? Because that's a good point. Like, there is, like, a range of acceptable agreements between Christians of goodwill. And maybe there's places where we just say, look, uh, that's outside the bounds mm-hmm. of faithful Christian hmm. life and practice, you know? Um, and I just think it's interesting as we try in America to discern what those things are. It's not a decision maker, but it is a data point. I was just reading this week, um, UVA's, uh, one of UVA, University of Virginia's centers on faith and culture put out this thing called Democracy Dies in Darkness. And it's just data. But one of the data points that they point out is that um, white evangelical Christians by belief their views on a number of subjects are really different from the average Americans, which white evangelical Christians, by belief, would often say that that's how it should be. Like, right, we've got the truth. We love Jesus. Of course we're different from our fellow Americans. But what the data shows is that white American Christian evangelical Christians, by belief, are diametrically opposed to black and brown evangelical Christians, by belief. Wow. Right? So the differences don't just divide, you know, people who have evangelical beliefs from non-Christians. They divide 
seriously, like oppositely, mm-hmm. uh, evangelical by belief who are white versus everybody else. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, this, you know, there's no, I can't point to a Bible verse that says this exactly, but I think that is those, that unique set of views that many white evangelical Christians have related to political power and willingness to use violence and faith in our system and a belief that racism isn't really a problem and that income inequality isn't really a problem. Those are some of the data points. I think that a lot of those worldviews are connected to the peculiar experience of being Christians with a ton of power. Because, yeah. I mean, the Bible mm-hmm. shows us again and again, power isn't always bad, Right. But it is always dangerous. Mm -hmm. And white American Christians have had power for a long time. And I heard, you know, Esau McCauley, uh, a black Anglican scholar, say recently, like, look, uh, in in Israel, they have the wilderness test where they're tested by suffering. Mm -hmm. And they have the abundance test Mm -hmm. where they're tested by abundance. And he's just like, look, (laughs) uh, black American Christianity has been having the wilderness test. And by and large, we've passed. (laughs) And white American Christianity has been having the abundance test. And what we're seeing is our failure to pass that test. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think you're I mean, I think you're right. Like, I don't want to say I'm not ready to announce on people's eternal state, but I certainly think that we can say this is not what following Jesus looks like. And and I say that not to say I'm pronouncing you, I'm the judge over you, but I am saying as Christians, like as a black man who who is passionate about who who is hurt by seeing black mm. black people walk away from the faith because yes. of yes. because of these images. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um like and we know like we still have images of of our ancestors being lynched mm. with a cross or K- yeah. seeing KKK pictures where Jesus saves. So, like, this is a... So, I'm, like, willing to to pronounce for the name of Jesus that this is not Jesus. Yes. Right. This yeah, is that's not... Right. Like, like, this is not Jesus. And and as a black man, I do have to also say that, that Christianity has, has been used... In, in in a abusive way, yes. not just in America, but throughout church history. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Christianity, the name Jesus has been a used religion has been misused, and I think the Bible, like Paul warned Timothy about right. that in Second Timothy, his whole message is protect the gospel. There are people mm-hmm. coming yeah. outside who are trying to change the message, mm-hmm. who are trying to add to it. Don't. Don't be shook and yeah. just just protect the gospel, yeah. and, and I feel like that's what we see throughout church history. And so, as as a faithful member of the church, I do think we have to call out and and denounce what's not yes. what's not of us, yes. what, what's not of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's I think it's safe to say what we saw at January six was not of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Definitely, definitely. How about you, Rebecca? You've been a little quiet. <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, I'm thankful that Adriana asked me to be on this podcast, but I am far from feeling like I have much to say. I have a different um, lens. Like I think all, uh, I I read a little bit about um, the Capitol riots and I listened to the New York Times, just actually the first episode. There's like a three part series on the Capitol riots Mm -hmm. on the daily podcast and um, from New York Times. And I just can't get this out of my head. So this is a little bit different from what Michael and Sergi were just talking about. Is that okay if I take it? So there's this FBI interview of, I think his name is Robert Reeder. Does that sound right? Robert Reeder, who's one of the people being 
prosecuted. He was at the Capitol. And um, he's a 50-something-year-old white male and was a deacon at his church and Boy Scout troop leader, recreational soccer coach, single dad, and his life has been completely kind of destroyed because of this, him, his participation in this event. And hearing his um, interview, I mean, I had like all sorts of feelings, but one thing I was thinking about is like, like he says he'll walk out of his house and like say hi to a neighbor and they don't say hi back. You know, they know that he was there. And um, so I was just thinking like pastorally, like he, his life has been ruined. He's t- he talks a lot about herd mentality. He's like, I don't know why I was there. I don't know what I was there. I, I knew that there was going to be a crowd and I was there. I just found myself there. And he kind of just keeps saying that. And, um, like the herd mentality, I'm like, like, I'm sure people said stuff would say stuff like that about being involved in really horrible things throughout history. And I don't, that I, I literally don't know what to do with that. You know, like I, I have not been, yeah. Um, I don't, but I was like, so like I was like crying as I was listening to this podcast I was like oh my gosh like that's awful it was not you know he um but I don't know I mean I don't know you know he says he he hasn't gone back to church and he it was terrible what happened that day and he's I mean but he videoed and recorded everything and published it like I'm like if you did these things why you know he like wasn't it was like he wasn't thinking and he says that I, I don't know I don't know what to do about that I don't have anything else to say. Any thoughts to that? <laughs> well, no, I think like the, the whole heart mentality and all of that, it's, it's so interesting. And even going back to what Sergi was saying about how Christianity has been used mm-hmm. um, to abuse people, I think this just points to like a lot of times with racial things, I try to get people to see like we have all been abused by um, the way Christianity has been used to perpetu- perpetuate violence. And it's like, I'm not saying, I mean, he did what he did, you know what I'm saying? And his life has been ruined as a result of what he did. Um, but I hope that people start to see, like, he, he has been brainwashed. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. I don't think that you can say that you are serving Jesus by doing violence on the Capitol. Like mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? So where, where did he go astray, I guess? Where did he think that that was the right thing to do? Um, and I think, and maybe what does repentance look like for, for him? Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking if I meet someone who this is their story, that would feel really hard to know how to yeah. interact with them or I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. And I think as a black woman, like, I don't know how I would interact either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just cause like, um, I definitely, I don't think I'll ever forget the picture of like the news. I don't think I'll ever forget that picture, like ever, ever, ever. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I know that we're called to love people, but I don't think that um, I would rush to really bring him in, you know what I mean? Um, which probably speaks to my heart. Um, but I do think what we can learn from this situation and like just these people that don't know why they ended up there is kind of going back to the story, like there are certain things that we have to leave behind so that we can truly pledge allegiance to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we have to leave behind even maybe the way you grew up and what you were taught 
about your privilege or what you were taught about having power and having to maintain power. Um, what you were thought about, what what you were taught about Democrats or what you were taught about Republicans. You know, I am a Christian first. I'm not a Christian plus, mm. you know, and so it's like, and it's not Jesus plus the Democratic Party or Jesus plus the Republican Party. It's Jesus. So that's the true, that that's your North Star, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Not to be like silly, but like, that's what you need to look to. So yeah, if, if this group is telling me that I need to go storm the Capitol, but I know Jesus was not a violent person and he doesn't call me to violence and hating people, then I can't go with them. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah I, I do think it, and I do think it's important to think about like what are the forms of discipleship that prepare someone to storm the Capitol waving a Jesus saves flag. Yeah. And it seems to me that one form of discipleship, like going back to what you're saying about what you've been taught, like a lot of us have a, a, our American story is a Christian story, right? Mm -hmm. It is Christian America, you know, and that's actually endemic to both parties. Like you can pull up quotes of both, you know, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, George Bush, uh, Trump, all the Trumps, Mike Pence, they all do stuff where they're quoting a Bible verse and then they put America in the place of Jesus. Uh. Literally, they all do it. So this story that like we, we America is God's chosen people, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. which I think is a nationalist idolatry, yes. yeah. has been yeah. united to the Jesus story. And so that's how it becomes easy for people to see if you are attacking my America, you are attacking the kingdom of God. Mm. I might think that's ridiculous, but that is a sincerely held belief. And yeah. it is funny how often we forget. Like, I was I was on Twitter the other day, and someone was like, can you believe that? And it was like, you know, can you believe a third of Americans believe that it, it could ever be acceptable to use violence against the government? I was like, mm. yeah, I can believe. I, I'm surprised 100% of Americans don't what believe that. Be- exactly. Because <laughs> that's our story. Like, we were yeah. out there throwing tea into the harbor and, th- you know, attacking. Mm. We, we fought a war over taxes. So, like, this yeah. is who we are as a people. You know, we have this this story and we've bound Jesus to it Mm. and that as we unbind Jesus to that story like I don't want to say that everything about our culture or community or country or whatever is like hell ridden but we've got to be willing to leave behind Mm -hmm. that commitment to seeing the American story as a Christian story and we've got to figure out and this is where I do I have no idea what to do with this I feel (laughs) completely incompetent to this a lot of it is about one's view of truth. Mm-hmm. Because if you believed what some of those, I'll put it this way, if you believed that a conspiracy of Democrats had actually stolen mm-hmm. the election and ruined American democracy, that's a heck of a lot more important than King George taxing you without counting you. Yeah. Right? Like if you actually think the election is being stolen, yeah. When breaking into did, a cap that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. so saying. So so breaking into the Capitol building all of a sudden seems reasonable mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. normal people, maybe even some Christians. Yeah. So part of the problem is like saying, Hey, Jesus isn't about taking power by violence. Yeah. And part of it is saying, How do we stop believing lies? Mm-hmm. Like enormous swaths of people in this country believe things that are just openly false. It's yeah. like your friend who's into conspiracy theories. We all have that friend. <laughs> They're now like it's like now it's like everywhere, you know. And and I don't know what you do about that. You said something very important, and I'm going to kind of go into this a little deeper since this is Take One podcast. Mm -hmm. I know we're running out of time, 
but this we're is, gonna do a part one and part two. But I this think is take one, so let me go. Uh. Let me go. You said going back to the whole America as this Christian nation and past presidents, like we know, like God in America, God, like whatever the saying, I, I forgot whatever, and God we trust on money and all mm. this stuff. Like America is this Christian nation. I don't know why. I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm a black man. I got my two white brothers and sisters <laughs> right beside me. I love you guys. But I have come to find out a hard thing about this conversation with white people, white evangelicals. Um, it's that it's like, it's like white people idolize America. Yes. Like, like their life depends on mm-hmm. it. Yes. Yeah. They... And I'm sure, like, we all respect our ancestors. Like, I, I love learning stories about my past heritage, right? Yes. But it seems as if, because maybe because white people have had the power, as we can say, that they have had the power of the pen to switch the narrative to, to just put everyone on these pedestals. Mm. And, like, every past... Like every past hero, Civil War hero or war, it yeah, just yeah. George Washington. All these guys are just like perfect men who are un, un, <laughs> untainable, unspainable. Right. right. But when we really read about who they are, right, we can be like we probably won't, you know, acknowledge some of them. And I just feel like something we got to learn to do as people is is really look at the past, but not just throw away the past. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I can look at. Um, um, Jonathan Edwards and appreciate some of the things he wrote about God, but still not appreciate who right. he was as a right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's how like I want to live in America, like wise men who've gotten back from visiting Jesus and no longer at ease, mm. having to reevaluate everything. Right, and I think that's what we need. We, we need white American Christianity to be unsettled from its yes. sense of yeah. American history so that we can question and interrogate. And it doesn't mean that we have to be... Just throwing away everything. Yeah, it doesn't mean we have to throw away everything. But and, like, I, and I think a lot of times if we're, like, being unsettled is, like, viewed... Like, my, I would, my story, I think being unsettled by it is viewed as, like, you have gone too far. Like, right. how dare you hate on America, our right. America. This is sacred ground. Um, and so, yeah, like figuring out how to do that and then who to have those conversations with and like, yeah, but that, I mean, if, if I'm honest, that's part of my story. I, I, I think I'm at the beginning phases of like repenting of idolizing America, Mm. you know, myself, like I, I, that's how, I think that's how I was raised. That's my herd mentality, Mm. if you will, to like really America is like, I mean, uh, I would be, I should tremble in my boots at being anything but American. Having my American passport is like, mm. that is like the ticket to mm. success or, or ticket to like freedom. Maybe. I don't know. So guys, it sounds like we need a part two. Ah. Well, no, no, no. I'm going to break this, this into two. So are oh, you going to break this up into two? I'm going to break it up into two. Yeah. So, um, my bad. I did want to, I do want to close with this question though. So we've wrestled with a lot, and this is Take One Podcast, so this is like our first thoughts and everything. What hope do we have, though? Like, with folks storming the Capitol, with us trying to make sure we're leaving certain things behind to follow Jesus, what hope do we have today? I think a big hope that I have is, like, having this conversation with people who, like, I have this, I I was just saying this, like, I I think I am, I think I, 
I personally struggle with some like shame at the idolatry that I experienced toward America. And so having conversations with people who have very different stories of America and, and, um, the church international and then the church multi-ethnic here, you know, God's church is big and, um, his invitation is big back to epiphany. His invitation is big and people really do reject the invitation. I mean, from Michael's sermon on epiphany, the point I was most struck by is like those people in Jerusalem, like, I feel like I am, I am, um, at risk of being the people in Jerusalem who kind of know all the things. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just kind of busy. Like I'm right here in my Jerusalem <laughs> house. Things are kind of working for me. I know the Holy scriptures and I'm just going to stay right here. Um, but the hope is so like, <laughs> that's really scary. Like to, I think for me, I, it, for me personally, acknowledging the idolatry and the, um, that I face that I, um, have internalized and, you know, my whole life. But the hope is like, God does not leave me there. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave me there because of Jesus. And then because of his people. And that includes the people, you know, right here in this room. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, no, that's good. Cause it's like, it is, I I think I could also be somebody that's just like comfortable in Jerusalem. Like I have Mm -hmm. heat here. I don't want to go on this long journey. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take off one shoe and walk, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. Like it's, I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all go. Right, right. Let (laughs) me know how it goes, you know. Um, But it's just like, yeah, it is the hope to keep on having conversations like these and, and, and to keep on engaging and wrestling with God. I think like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I can take that to God and say, like, why are some of my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, pledging allegiance to the Confederate flag before you mm-hmm. in my eyes? You know, like, why, why is this happening? Um, so, yeah, I think that is my hope, too, that it's just like I can still engage with this because the light of the world has come. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And maybe we needed to see what was really in people's hearts. And maybe we needed to see how quickly people that our deacons at their churches can end up following a herd, you know? Um, yeah, God is still at work. Yeah. I think that's what I'm, and that's what Epiphany also reminds, like God is still at work, even though the people in Jerusalem didn't come and it was pagan astrologers, like he was still at work. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give Sergi the last word. So I'll say, I mean, I think I, I want, I want to keep thinking about this. I, I do think, you know, if you think about like, not just the Capitol riot, but like this whole sort of, the, the problems in so much of like mainstream Christianity in America, you know, there are like legitimate die in the wool, white supremacists carrying the Confederate flag carry. There are, you know, people who are just genuinely diametrically opposed to Jesus. And then I do think there are an awful lot of people who are just kind of caught up in a bunch of um, lies and false commitments to things. And we all are tied up in, you know, those and so discipleship is about leaving those behind and I do think this one that we're talking about here at the end one of my hopes is uh, there's a book called Taking America Back for God which is by two Christian sociologists who look at data and a lot of the things that I find most broken in American Christianity and this is just my opinion but like American Christians right now being more hostile than their neighbors to refugees and immigrants American Christians being less concerned about gun violence, less likely to believe that there's structural racism in our society, more likely to believe that American history was really peaches and roses. All these things that I find are like really objectionable. 
a belief that America is God's chosen people, what they discover is that is the primary determinant of those views. In other words, if you have a strong view that America is sort of this God's chosen community, you are more likely to believe all these other things that for me, as I read the Bible, I just go, the Bible's all about care for refugee and the immigrant. Mm -hmm. uh, What is it that drives those views? And what their research suggests is if you conflate your nation, America, with the kingdom of God, you're more likely to buy into that stuff. And so for me, what that means is that there's an opportunity Mm -hmm. To drive a wedge between the way we view mm, the yes. nation that we live in yeah. and the kingdom of God, and to and, and and to be very specific about that, and to recognize that that's a hard message for all of us to say that the nation or the culture or the mm-hmm. identity that I'm a part of is mm-hmm. not the kingdom of God, and I need to drive a wedge between that. Yeah. And my go-to passage for that of late has been Daniel two, where Daniel has this vision of King Nebuchadnezzar, who's a pagan political leader. And he's kind of viewing all the different politicians and regimes that are going to come. And they're all smushed together in this one statue, right? Mm -hmm. And the head is gold and the feet are clay Mm -hmm. and the metals in between are different, right? Right. And and, and so part of the message to Nebuchadnezzar is like, hey, you're the head of gold. Mm -hmm. Cool. You are better than some of the kings and regimes that are going to come. So as a, a Christian in America, it is fine for me to be like, Hey, I like national parks and highways and, you know, <laughs> relatively free markets. And I like that. Hey, that's mm. great. I, I like that better than some other things on offer. But the end of the vision is that a rock mm-hmm. that's cut out, not by human hands, mm-hmm. smashes all of it to bits and the dust is blown away. Come right. Mm. So every yeah. kingdom, whether you're the head of gold or the feet of clay, it, the it end is God's kingdom yes. replaces you. Yes. And that has already begun to happen in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So until we drive a wedge between our nation, our party, our allegiance, and the kingdom of God, we're just gonna we're just gonna continue staying in Jerusalem, not running into Jesus at the you know in Bethlehem. But if we can drive a wedge between the way we think about our communities of origin and the kingdom of God, then there's hope that we can get back the best of our culture and community and nation mm-hmm. and leave behind the worst mm-hmm. as we yeah. seek to seek Jesus in the midst of all of it. Yeah, that's good. I think we should end on that. Man, no, come that on, was great. No, come that on, was great. Dude. Come on, dude. He's got his Bible open. <laughs> come on, dude. You got your Bible open. We had to listen to you flip. Everybody knows you're that flipping that Bible. The pages of the Bible. <laughs> I mean, the... the my hope that I wanted to leave our listeners with wasn't even just so much of a hope, but more so of a call by Paul to Timothy, as I said earlier in Second Timothy. And I'm just going to read it for you and not explain it. But he said, you, Dan, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Um, and, and I read there just thinking about Timothy, um, what Timothy was going through wasn't just completely unlike the conversation that we just had mm-hmm. and this was Paul's um, probably final instructions to him mm-hmm. um, so I just want to read that as a reminder for us today 
Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll do one more. If if you are like, what what is going to happen to our democracy? If you're worried, uh, if you're anxious about it, I'm going to leave us with John. Um, let's see, John one four says, "In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it." Um, and I'm going to keep on going a little bit further. Verse 6, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So just a reminder that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has already overcome the world. We don't have to be worried. And two, let's continue to bear witness about this light. Let's pay attention to what our witness is. Y'all be blessed. Thank you for wrestling with these things with us. Um, and we hope you come back next week. Take one, baby. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>